This is The Social Geek Radio Network. and welcome to episode 1000 of Social Geek. I'm Jack Munson, your host and marketing conciliare. Today we're talking leadership with the top leaders in the franchise space, including Susan Beck, Mary Thompson, Richard Snow, Gigi Swikers, Carl Ugler, Jerry Akers, and Michael J. McFall. So it is episode 1000, but I'm not doing some big retrospective and sharing old clips. That kind of stuff just bores me. But I do want to say a big thank you to the OGs, the original geeks, BJ Emerson and Deb Evans for starting this little clam bake 14 years ago. Podcasts were not trendy at the time and they weren't even cool, but you both saw an opportunity to share some good stories about franchising and social media and overall geeky stuff. For today, I'm a little obsessed right now on the topic of leadership, so I thought it might be fun to talk to some of the best in the biz about what makes a great leader, who inspired them, and how they're mentoring the next generation of leaders. We're going to skip the commercials today, though I do want to say some thank yous to some longtime sponsors and supporters along the way. And first of all, thanks to you for being here for number 1000. And joining us now is Susan Beth. She's the Chief Operating Officer at Avante Capital Partners, and she literally grew up in the franchise space. Susan, how are you? Doing awesome, Jack. Good to be back with you. I'm glad you're here, and I'm especially glad to talk a little bit about leadership with you today. You speak to a lot of large groups on a regular basis about the topic of leadership. What attracts you to speak so much about leadership? I think it's probably because I've seen it done, meaning leadership really well, and I've seen it done not so well. And I think just all of us can continue to be students. And so I know every day I'm trying to learn things that I can do better. Um, I have to figure that there's a lot of us out there that want to continue to improve the way that we can impact other people's lives. And when you speak at various events about leadership, I I would assume it's one of the popular topics of whatever (laughs) conference you're at, right? Like nobody knows everything about it. Yeah, no, it absolutely is one of the, one of the highlight topics almost always, especially for small business owners, right? A lot of us have been in larger organizations or in the bureaucracies, but now once you become a franchisee and that is your shop to put your heart into, right? We have to learn kind of a different way to lead folks so that they want to follow and help us execute on the mission. Yeah. I feel a little bit like that right now myself. I've been kind of a solopreneur, (laughs) one man shop, um, you know, solo pilot flying by the seat of his pants for a long time. And now suddenly I'm with this group of really smart people who are expecting me to you know, navigate the waters in front of them. And uh, that's one of the reasons I'm doing this whole leadership series is I'm just calling on some friends for a little bit of help right now. What, (laughs) uh, what, um, what makes a really good leader in your eyes? 
You know, I think about a graphic that I saw, gosh, years ago that really sticks with me. And one is the top half of the picture. You know, I love my memes. Yeah. Uh, this one isn't a funny one, but uh, one, the top half of the meme says boss. And it's got somebody sitting at the top in the back of all their people pointing what to do. And the bottom half says leader. And it's the leader out in front pulling everybody with them. Mm, mm. And that, to me, in one graphic, sums it up, right? In in all things, I want to lead from the front. I don't want to boss you from the back. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a really key difference that's definitely stuck with me from a picture that sticks in my mind. So we're now surrounded by these people who identify as Generation Z. And quite frankly, <laughs> most of them are way smarter and, and far more advanced and, and more... Uh, energetic and driven than most of my friends were at that age as part of Generation X. So what are some key things to think about when we're working with this new group of people who, quite frankly, the last time I had any kind of leadership official position, these guys were all in high school, right? So <laughs> it's a new generation to me. What are some key things when we're working with these folks that, that we should remember and, and maybe something that they're looking to us for. Yeah, so I heard an interesting phrase at an event I was at last week that I had never thought about. And it was a young person, Gen Z, and she said, you know, Gen Z, we prioritize our five to nine life in front of our nine to five life. And that to me, again, those simple moments like that graphic I was just talking about really solidified it to me is that these young folks who are smarter, more advanced, I mean, they're just such go-getters, exactly as you said, right, are also thinking about ways that they can prioritize the 5 p.m. to the 9 a.m. portion of their life. Um, I think when I when I would encourage them on how they're going to lead, it's going to be to think about what can you do that goes just that extra mile, right? Um, some of the best folks that I've ever had the opportunity to lead are two jumps down the road from something that I explained, right? They're thinking mm -hmm. out in front. Mm -hmm. And so to me, that gives some hints that they've got leadership potential because they can see the bigger picture and know how to go just beyond the instruction to what comes next. Let's talk about that leadership potential. What do you see in someone who's up and coming right now that that really shows that this could be a great leader someday? What are some of those traits that jump out at you? You know, now it's as much intellectual curiosity as anything. Mm. If I just had to kind of summarize it down, um, that would be the key kind of phrase I think I would use. And I think about when I was in my early 20s, starting my career, like, was I intellectually curious? And the answer was yes. Mm -hmm. Right. I learned all about franchising in my early 20s and I could not take enough information in. Like I just loved it so much and, and still do 20 plus years later. Um, but that intellectual curiosity gives me, you know, some indication that they're going to be folks that I want to coach up into a leadership position. I also want some folks who are willing to challenge the status quo. Right. But can do it in such a way that it's still respectful. Right. Like 
to me, that's where part of the rub is, right? Is the great leaders, they know how to get their thoughts and their opinions across so that people do want to follow them and do buy into whatever the mission or the objective is. You can't do it with zero EQ. It just doesn't work, right? Then you're a boss again, instead of leading. Awesome. So that's the future. Let's take a look back at the past. What has inspired you as far as leaders in your past, or maybe who, or or what traits did they have that really made you think, this is the direction I want to go, and I want to do everything to help this person out and, and win? Yeah, you just said it, um, is that I had amazing leaders in my life who also took time to mentor, mm. right? So taking that time to spend 20 minutes with somebody, or sometimes it's 40 minutes with somebody when they're at a crossroads um, can be hard. There's oftentimes just not enough slots in the day on the calendar to get everything in. But the really awesome leaders that I want to emulate, um, they always take time to coach up others to mentor others, sometimes not even in their own field, right? It might be a friend of a friend or uh, a friend's kid who's getting their first job out of school, right? But they want to leave it, which in this case, it could be the industry, could be their business, could be that person um, better than they found it. And to me, those are the types of things that I look at that just make me go, yep, that's who I want to be. That's who I want to be when I grow up. I also have a deep level of respect for people who can conduct themselves with grace and can extend grace. Um, that to me is again, a key leadership trait is that you've got this kind of empathy so that you can extend grace to people appropriately, right? Mm -hmm. We don't need to extend it so far that we've done somebody a disservice, right? But giving somebody the benefit of the doubt along the way, right? Or uh, just that extra layer of grace is really important to me. Yeah. Love that idea. And and it's also just something that makes you a good human. So yeah. um, I want to close out today with my favorite question of the month that I've been asking Ooh. everybody. You're going to love this. I hope. Hit me. Um, looking at the work you're doing now and your your portfolio and working in franchising and, and, and all of the groups you've worked with and all mm. of the work you've done, what really makes you the most proud of all of the work you've done? Oh, geez, Louise. Um, I can see why that's your favorite question. <laughs> there are there are several. I kind of refer to them as career highlights for me. Um, okay, hit them. There have definitely been some really amazing people along the way. Um, you know, I think for me, one of the kindest moments I ever had is I actually had to let somebody go. And they said to me, I've never been let go with such grace before. Wow. And that to me, like, look, tough decisions have to get made. I literally, anytime I have to have those kinds of conversations with folks, I hang up the phone and I cry, right? Because I know that a conversation I just had changed somebody's life. And I know that they're going to have to talk with their family about it at the dinner table. Um, and so I always try to put myself in those, in those shoes um, I will tell you that an event that I put together that I'm super proud of was when I worked for Superwash in the family business, and we put together what we called the food raiser. And it was our, our version of a fundraiser, but it was okay. the food raiser where for the month of May, we donated a certain portion of our sales to local food pantries. And that was 
it really um, just, I was so full of pride around that event. A, it took a lot of people pulling together. So I always like that when I can see somebody working towards something, but you know, we often think about our food pantries and food necessity around the holidays. And then it doesn't thought about a lot throughout the year. My dad was a high school biology teacher before um, he and my mom started the family business. And what we found out that really tied back into who my, my parents were before they started Superwash and, and continue to be clearly because we did the food raiser, but it, our teachers. And um, I didn't, until we organized that event, I didn't really know that the summer is not something that a lot of kids look forward to mm. because they don't have access to food provided by the schools. And a lot of times the food pantries are running low that time of year. Um, and we were in a position through our food raiser at Superwash to be donating in many cases, several hundred dollars back to the food pantries so that they could go use those for whatever items they felt like they needed in their community. So I was super, super proud of that. Um, and I just had a career highlight a couple of weeks ago. Oh, tell where, me. Uh, I was on the phone with two founders, um, when they found out the valuation that had been placed on their company. And it was awesome. It was so awesome, right? The collective answer was, we did that. Like, we built that, <laughs> right? And being the daughter of founders and just knowing the, the highs and lows, just like you've experienced as a solopreneur, right? The highs and lows that come with being your own, your own uh, business owner and just on your own, sometimes being your, a franchisee where, yes, you have your franchisor, but gosh, sometimes it can feel pretty lonely, even when you do have support and backup, just to be a part of that call where uh, these founders found out how much their business was worth to somebody um, was definitely a career highlight. I love how excited you were for them, even though I'm I'm guessing you didn't own 51% of the company personally, but you got so excited about that. And (laughs) and it's that that empathy and, and wanting to see other people win that yes. I think that's where there are so many leaders out there that that lack that trait. So yes. thank you so much for sharing oh that. God. And Susan, if, if anyone has questions for you or they'd like to connect, where's the best place they can reach you? Website, LinkedIn, yeah. where do you like to send people? Yeah, definitely LinkedIn works. I, I frankly don't check it as often as I should, but the other place is just by email at Susan, S-U-S-A-N at Avante, A-V-A-N-T-E, cap cap.com that's the new uh, email address where folks can find me on the private equity side now awesome thank you so much for your time my friend and we will see you soon look forward to it joining me now is mary thompson the chief operating officer at neighborly and when i think of leadership in the franchise space i think of mary mary thank you for being on the show today Thanks for having me today, Jack. This is a subject that has been near near and dear to my heart for decades. You speak to a lot of groups about leadership. What attracts you to have those conversations and, and continue to speak with these groups about leadership? Well, first of all, I will tell you, I often say to people, the reason I'm in franchising is two reasons. One, we are a dream-making industry. We help people reach their hopes, wishes, dreams, and goals. That's what we do. And two, it's the purest form of leadership I've ever seen because our franchise owners, they they don't work for us. They work for themselves. They're controlling yeah. their own destiny. 
And I love that you have to push, pull, sell, explain, show the data, explain the feelings, everything to get them to move in that direction. And that is the essence of leadership is influencing and inspiring people to be their best version of themselves. So let's take a look at the past before we look at the future. Who has inspired you? What are some of the great leaders that have have really inspired you and helped you along the way? Well, there's so many, it's hard to count them all. I learned from, we have so many great leaders at Neighborly. I learn from them every day. I'd start with my dad. My dad was a three-time combat veteran with uh, three bronze stars, all three of them for valor. And he taught me a lot about what leading really meant and how it was about serving others. And probably from the age of, as far back as my memory goes, my father was giving me leadership lessons and uh, he'd always say noblesse noblige, which you know is Latin for nobi- nobility obliges you. If you have good things happening to you, it obliges you to do good to others and, and for others. And so he was definitely my first influence. Uh, I often tell the story about a colonel I work for. Uh, his name was Colonel Polyasco. And uh, I, when I reported into his unit, I was the new officer reporting in and I got the Christmas duty and I was not a happy camper. And, you know, it's what you're <laughs> supposed to do, but you do right. it. Uh, and that Christmas, we always called him the old man, which kind of cracks me up because back then he was a lot younger than I am today. Yeah, he, he was probably, you know, 40 something, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, Those old uh, men are getting a lot younger every year. I don't know. They are. They certainly are. And uh He showed up on Christmas morning with a hot breakfast and I had not really, um, I had gone around and seen all the duty NCOs, but I really hadn't spent time with the Marines because back then in my early days, it was all about me. And he showed up with breakfast and he asked me how I was doing and who I'd talked to. And I'd only spoken to those I had to, that my duty was. And he, he was very good about, um, you know, you have these hard bricks you give people as leaders. You can throw them and break the glass. You can hand it to them so you can build something with it. And he handed it to me. And he's like, you know, we have Marines in these barracks that, you know, can't have no money to go home, have no leave to go home, maybe don't even have family to go home to. And he really encouraged me to go see them and spend time with them. And he, uh, that day I made a promise that I would study leadership for the rest of my life because I didn't know anything about leadership. And he really got me thinking about how to inspire others. The, you know, the Latin root of the word inspire means to breathe life into. How do we as leaders breathe life into others that we serve? And he, that day, he breathed life into me. And so I, I, and he did that in many different ways. And then, you know, currently, the person who has helped me become the franchise executive that I am is our CEO, Mike Bidwell. He's a high growth leader. He doesn't uh, accept anything but excellence. Uh, He pushes you to places you didn't even know you could or would go. And he does it to himself as well. And he, he has inspired me for years to be better every day, both personally and professionally. I love a good story about Mike. And I really loved your story about the Colonel and just the fact that all of these decades later, that still, that probably pops into your mind, you know, a few times a week, I'm guessing. It that, does. Uh, yeah. It does. Uh, and yeah. Mike, Mike serves others. I, and he's a quiet servant leader. I, one day he came in my office and I had this filing cabinet that was cattywampus and the door kept opening. And I kept kind of, every now and then I would just kind of kick it shut. And he said, is there something wrong with that filing cabinet? And I said, oh yeah, it's, the door is opening. I, I just kick it shut every now and then. It's not a bother. 
And then like two weeks later, I realized it hadn't been opening. He had gone down early one morning, put a shim underneath that and fixed it. He never said anything to me. He just made it right. And yeah. that that's Mike. That's the yeah. essence of Mike. He just yeah. makes things right. There's a lot of so-called leaders in this industry who, if they had done that, uh, there would have been a press release put out, uh, <laughs> instructions on how that shim worked, you know, several posts on LinkedIn and Instagram about here's what I did, right? So yeah, I I love I love hearing those stories of people who, um, if you're not telling that story, none of us would know about it because they're really? certainly not telling their own story right now. Yeah. So. I didn't know about it for weeks. It wasn't until I realized the door's not opening anymore. <laughs> it was magic. No, it was Mike. Um, yes. So so let's talk about the next generation of inspiration. What are you doing now to inspire the next generation of leaders at Neighborly, across franchising, across business? What are some of the things that you're actively doing? Well, you know, um, I, could, I can truly say that probably 60% of the work I do in my job now is about succession planning. It's about getting the right leaders in place, finding the right leaders, growing them, helping them be the next step. We have, and I'm inspired by them every day. We have some uh, new presidents that are, you know, new in their roles that have uh, people like Marla Moak and uh, Jeremy Sibley, who just stepped up to be one of the leaders of one of our brands who have just worked so hard. And, um, and you have to spend time with them. I have a leadership sheet. So one pager and it's the things I believe about leadership. And when I see somebody that I think has a, cause you know, leaders are not born, they are made. Marine yeah. Corps did a great study on that. Leaders are made, never mistake that. And uh, I spend time with them and we have conversations about what does that mean? And we have great franchise owner leaders who we, you know, we spend time with, but what does leadership look like? What are the actions you're taking and doing? Um, how do you, you know, the leadership practice? How do you, I do a session called leading with purpose on purpose. How do you lead with purpose? Because great leadership is not by accident. It's very purposeful. And so teaching those steps and, and what that, you know, like what, what do purposeful leaders do? They connect. They connect versus communicating and they figure out ways to connect and they insist on excellence, purposeful leaders, and they stay on point. And what does it look like if you're a leader who stays on point? And so I, I and not just me, but many of our senior leaders, we work with the next level and then the next level. We work with our franchise owners as well because we know we need them to be leaders and we have we teach leadership classes um, with them because we think that's important. And then in franchising, you know, uh, next year I'll be the chair. I'm the incoming chair for the uh, IFA, International yes. Franchise yes. Association. And I wanted to do it because I felt like I needed to give back to the industry that's given so much to me. And we have to find those leaders. And and we, I want franchisors that care about the unit level economics of their franchise owners. I want franchisors that are going to spend time growing their franchisees. I want uh, I want franchisors that are going to grow talent and protect, enhance, and promote franchising. And so uh, it's going to be my honor to serve this organization, uh, serve the membership, and, and, help, and help make sure that we're having those right conversations. Very good. I'm going to throw you a last question that's a little bit of a curveball, but it's my favorite question for this month. In all of your professional development, in, in your life at Neighborly, and before that, what are you most proud of? My goodness, that's a good question. Uh, I, on the professional side, 
I'm most proud of the trust I have built with our franchise owners over the years uh, that um, I've met what I said and said what I meant, that I've always shared my intentions and my intentions are good, not perfect, but good, uh, that uh, I've made sure to have capable people around and create results that help our franchise owners. So I'm, that's what you know. Stephen Covey says, those are the four pillars of, of credibility. And I'm very proud of that because trust is the beginning of everything in leadership and in franchising. Um, and it, it takes years to build it and seconds to break it. And uh, on the personal side, I'm so proud to have grown a lovely family with two children and two grandchildren and a 30, 39 year marriage to a wonderful man that, cause that's what we're here to do is build lives. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, uh, Simon Sinek on, you know, first start with why um, everyone always says, well, it's my family. Well, that's the family is the benefit and the blessing that you get. Um, my why is to um, inspire business leaders to reach their hopes, wishes, dreams, and goals beyond their wildest imagination. And uh, I am, a thousand times blessed that I get to do that every day. Well, we are blessed to have you in our community. And I want to thank you for being here today and also say congratulations for being named chair of the IFA for next year. I think we're, uh, we're in for a really good ride for the next few years down the road in franchising. And, and I really can't wait. Well, there are many great leaders that are stepping up and doing the work. And i tell you, the new CEO, Matt Haller, he's doing some fantastic work. It's, Absolutely. it's great to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Appreciate all of your thoughts and uh, have a terrific summer. Thanks, Jack. Coming up next is Richard Snow, followed by Gigi Swikert. But first, a word of gratitude to some longtime supporters of this podcast, Karen Booz and Answer Connect, Derek Abelman and his team at Northeast Color, and the crew at Citroen Cooperman. Up next, it's Richard Snow. He's a vice president at Bremer Bank, and he joins us now on this special leadership edition of Social Geek. Richard, how are you? I am excellent, Jack. Thank you for having me on the show and just have this conversation wrapped around leadership. It was great to see you at the IFA summer board meeting just a few weeks ago. Can you give everybody a a bit of an update on what you're doing now at Bremer Bank? Okay, so currently at Bremer Bank, I'm the vice president for the National Specialty Banking and Franchise Division within the conventional space. So we focus around working with multi-unit owners that are looking to scale and grow and develop um, into diversified brands. Uh, We can support financing anywhere from a million up to $45 million comfortably. We will also do participation lending with other institutions uh, for the right opportunities. And we look just to provide that access to capital from a funding standpoint and be a strong funding partner uh, within the franchising space. Excellent. Thanks for sharing that. And I also wanted to get an update on all of the activities you're doing with the IFA and other franchise organizations. I know you're you're a big part of the IFA Foundations Board and a few other groups too, right? Yes, yes. So currently, uh, I serve on the IFA Foundations Board. I'm a part of an accelerator initiative that we're currently working on, a steering committee that's going to 
produced some amazing change wrapped around education uh, within the franchise space and create creating more um, people of color within the uh, franchise space, becoming entrepreneurs and franchisees and, and providing them with the tools to do so. Uh, also with the Diversity Institute, uh, I'm a board member there, and we work with all programming wrapped around diversity within the franchise and space. Um, and I chair the Black Franchise Leadership Council, which today um, at 12 o'clock, um, we had our Juneteenth program. Um, Excellent. Yep. So we had Charles Young, who is the director for uh, the African-American Chamber of Commerce Board. Uh, we had Adina, who's the first Black female to be an IHOP franchisee um, in Jersey. Uh, we had Darcel, who owns uh, five um, units of UPS in Atlanta. Uh, and we had the head of diversity, equity, and inclusion for Ben and & Jerry's. Um, and, De and Devin Mitchell, who's a multi-unit franchisee owner for Anytime Fitness. So we had a really... Um, good, well-rounded group that spoke to uh, the importance of Juneteenth, uh, but also the importance of Black entrepreneurs within the franchise. And so we stay um, consistently busy uh, pushing forward the needle of diversity within the space of franchising. You're so involved in all of these groups, as well as your, I guess we'll call it your day job with uh, Bremer Bank, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, you're surrounded by some, some, uh, legacy leaders and also some up and coming leaders in the franchise space. So let me start here. What do you see that makes a great leader? What traits? I would say uh, that makes a great leader. A great leader first, I think, leads with a level of emotional intelligence, you know, understanding how the mission, vision, and the values of an organization connects to the heartstrings of that individual who they're leading, who they're directing, um, understanding what truly motivates and moves them. Uh, and they understand every level of the organization. They understand the person at the senior executive level, but they also understand that individual who's probably working on one um, task within the organization and really have that connection. So they have to have a level of emotional intelligence and also the ability to, to be a strategic thinker um, within this space um, as a leader, you know, being able to strategically think about how to um, identify the direction of the organization, how do you chart that path, how do you pivot, uh, what happens when things go wrong within the organization, um, how do you change uh, what does growth look like? So I think the strategic thinking component of it is key as well. That emotional intelligence and that strategic thinking um, is very important. I love what you said about understanding all of the people in the organization, because I think there are a lot of brands that have a CEO who is surrounded by you know, let's say directors and managers and vice presidents, and and they probably have their finger on those folks pretty well, but they don't truly understand, you know, the rest of the folks who might be 2000 miles away and they, they don't have any interaction from with, with most of those people. And, you know, it could be, it could be your, your 
you know, team in restaurants. It could be drivers or pilots or, you know, somebody who's not, who's not surrounding the CEO with their ideas all day. And I think it's a very unique leader who, who gets out enough and talks to enough of those people to know what's going on in their job and how they're contributing to the success of the organization. Yeah, because it's always um, next man up, but you want you want everybody in the organization to have a level of ownership. Um, even if you think about the IFA structure in which we're in, we talked about the roles and duties that are where many of us are servant leaders and volunteer leaders, where you said we have a traditional nine to five, but we believe in the mission uh, franchise. And so how do you, you know, manage leaders that lead, right? And, and everybody, you have to listen to everybody's voice and respect that, but also um, be understanding of their time. And they have to see your dedication and, um, to the mission as well. And knowing that you're providing the same time um, into the mission and executing upon the goals um, that they are as well. So I think though that is important, leaders leading leaders and then understanding the, the, um, the dynamics of that as well. Let's talk more about leaders leading leaders. What do you see in, I guess we'll call them the next generation of leaders coming up within your organization or any of the associations you're a part of? What do you see in someone who maybe they're not in a leadership position quite yet, but they might be soon? Are there traits that you see or or maybe it's it's just something that that someone's doing on a regular basis that makes you say, that person's going to be a great leader someday. Yeah. Um, um, leaders are, have an entrepreneurial spirit to begin with. Um, so when you're putting together a project, giving them the latitude, especially the new Gen Z coming up, giving them a latitude to be able to expand within that project, to be able to create, develop, to be an intricate component, a, a partner within the team. Uh, I think that's important. You no longer, nobody is never wanted yes men or people that just take real good directions you need innovation. You need that person that's going to look at the issue or the problem or the project and find a way around it that you have not seen yet. You know, um, that's the that's diversity of thoughts and opinions within the organization. Um, and I think that's highly valued at this time. And, and you have this new group of leaders where they don't want to be siloed or pigeonholed. Uh, they actually want to have the freedom of creativity. And that's how you allow that within those projects and um, willing to be heard. So I, I think it's, it's, it's really important for those leaders to give them uh, to give them the ability to feel like they're a part of the project and they can create within it and that they're not just coming into something that's been well-defined yeah. and they have to play within the sandbox. Yeah, and, and that they're actually part of changing the direction of the organization for the future because the the only thing we really know is none of these things are going to look like they do right now right it's all going to be different and things everything's changing so rapidly right now it's, it's so fast with the um with automation you know um, with your crm systems continuing to change um how you connect with your customers the speed of trust you know, four or five years, five years ago, this was in the interview format. We had to fly, be face right. to face, <laughs> figure it out. Now, the speed of trust is a, a Zoom call, a Teams conference, utilizing Slack. And this is how you you collaborate 
um, with each other and being creative within that. So, you know, now you're building these teams within teams and within the infrastructure, the speed of trust is so much more um, fluid now. You know, how fast you work together. Think about what we do within the financing space. You know, 90% of my clients is, you know, virtual. Oh, the yeah. handshake, you know, so now you're, you're, you're building trust through that component with somebody else in a completely different territory. You know, I'm sitting out of Jersey, maybe they're in Michigan or Minnesota, but I have to understand their market, understand what their goals, um, strategy build, develop with them to execute the overall goal of financing that particular brand. So the dynamics of, um, of it has changed and, and, and entrusting. And the trust piece is key because you have to trust that the other person on the other side is working just as efficient and effective as you are, you know, uh, not having the four walls of an organization or a company or sitting in a cubicle and you could just peek over and say, Hey, how's that going? Now yeah. it's a, it's a chat. It's the chat feature. So things are changing and they're going to continue to develop. Um, I don't see that changing and, and being able to have, um, thinkers and leaders that can adapt with the up uh, the, the utilization of technology and where everything is aggressively going. Um, I think it's key. Yeah. Let's take a quick look back in time. Tell me about some leaders or someone who inspired you to become a leader in your past. Who comes to mind first? I would have to say, uh, I would think back to when I was in college, uh, just starting out, and uh, first kid walking on the campus, um, Dr. Um, Gerald Jackson. He, he was an advisor, um, and I went to school out in Edinburgh University, and he was an advisor there, one of the only um, Black men advisors, and coming up wasn't a lot of exposure to that when I was coming through high school. And when I got there, he challenged me to, you know, what it was to be a leader just within the campus structure, um, how I handle, how I carried myself, uh, what was important, important to me, the benefits of creating goals. Um, I thought that was um, key um, in, in creating that structure and, and being able to see him as an example just in the beginning um, college wise was, was, was absolutely hands down. Uh, absolutely amazing. Um, I also even look at uh, when I was in um, banking, I had uh, a boss where she, you know, was head of our region and she was really good at allowing her teams to uh, manage their branches efficiently to hit the goal. Never gave you structure, but was more of a, um, a coaching. That's where I began to learn the benefits of emotional intelligence um, how that applies to your staff or people that's under your people that's not even direct reports, you know, how you listen, how you encourage them, um, be, being able to um, delegate, but delegate with freedom, you know, delegate with choice of opinions and not so much like you do this It's more like, how can we collaborate to achieve this? You know, so, you know, it would, um, that was important and, and being all and learning to be authentic to yourself. You know, mm -hmm. um, I can go through, you know, each leaders that, um, that I've, I've had, you know, um, I've had a, a leaders where they are able to adapt and be agile. One of the key things I've learned from all of my leaders is like the ability to have be 
agile within a space and have latitude to pivot, you know, never becoming the oil tanker in the sea and you need 20 miles to turn left or turn right. Yeah. Always have some, some piece of a speedboat mentality that you can change course and navigate out of harm's way a little bit quicker and be, being able to um, get to, because they always talked about being able to identify where the industry is going prior to reacting to where the industry is going. Um, I think it was a, um, a saying I heard, they talked about Wayne Gretzky. Mm-hmm. And he was one of the greatest because he oh, he had a knack for where the puck was going to be at. So he just mm-hmm. got there before everybody else. So being able to see the whole lay of the land and understand where an industry or a trend is going and get there first. You know, having that latitude to not be so rigid that you can't change directions. And you've seen that and great organizations can change directions. The ones that can't, you know, you've seen IBM was up at the top of the game. Right, right. They were used to their model. GE at one point was at the top of the game, but they were used to their model. But the ones who can identify disruption and 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 get there first, continues continues to achieve, um, and what they do and having that latitude, you you see that in a lot of your business models today, and it's happening even faster. Just like we were saying a few minutes ago, that those oil tankers need to change direction ten times faster than they did five years ago, oh, right? So, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, it could be because you you know you you have now you have algorithms that's creating the thought pro- creating the strategy wrapped around you know where yeah. you you're and it's it's constantly navigating and changing as the environment changes so you know having um thinkers that can manage those systems understanding how that works uh how to integrate now your talent with utilizing the automation because now you know we've and uh for the past couple of years have had a labor force challenge right yeah yeah um, and, and, and with that labor force challenge, now comes new creativity and automation to make up for that labor force that is not coming back. And how do you integrate today's talent that you have on your team with this new technology to be more efficient? You know, so even working through that, I think it's also important. And you're, you're even seeing it um, within the industry, within the franchise industry, you're seeing larger multi-units. Uh, consolidation of brands, you know, um, consolidation of cultures. So, you know, how do you work through that? How how do you change within this space? It's always something continuing to develop. It's always a fresh and, and new. Thank you for that. I have one last question for you. This is my favorite question of the month that I'm throwing at everybody. With all of your activities, Bremer Bank, all of the uh, associations and the IFA committees and boards you're involved in what's the thing that you are most proud of right now outside of everything um my family you know my wife my kids being able to be in a an amazing father and a husband um you know and enjoying them taking them taking them through for the ride of what I do you know the times yeah. that I'm able to go out and mix business and family like I was able to um take my wife out to the last convention in Vegas you know and, and enjoy that moment and um when we were there so family first for me um 
outside of everything, um, within the space, um, being able to share knowledge and advocate. You know, I think advocating for the franchising space and speaking to the benefit of franchising for all um, is extremely important to me. Um, it, it's what gets me up. Um, I think being able to provide access, educate upon how you obtain that access to capital is just another form of advocating that's out there. That's an issue that all people are dealing with, you know, no matter color, creed, you know, everybody's dealing with that issue and, and then advocating for the importance of our space, because um, without that, many people would not have been able to change their communities, change their family life, change their culture. And you meant, and I said family first, because many times you get in the business to change your family direction. Right, right. Or or change your relationship with your family, make more time or or make, yeah. you know, make uh, make something else balance out the right way. Yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, those are, those are the things that I'm um, I'm proud of, and and, and then the um, the relationships we built, mm-hmm. you know, the friendships. Um, like with you, you know, we we met, get together to have these conversations, these um uh, these brain trust conversations that we're having, <laughs> you know, around leadership, around franchise, and how do we make it better and um and incessantly committed to that mission. You know, so th- these are some of the the items that are uh, most important to me. Very good. Thank you so much for that. And if any of our listeners have additional questions for you or they want to connect, where can we send them? Um, you can, if you want to connect with me through the bank, um, rrsnow at brimmer, B-R-E-M as in Mary, E-R.com, rrsnow at brimmer dot com and i'll be glad to take your questions um support you with any access to capital if you want to learn more about the bflc reach out to me uh would love to work with you and um as jack now i'm willing to provide support and lend information as i can excellent thank you my friend i will see you at an ifa event hopefully very soon yes indeed you will and um you, you stay safe and um no look forward to all the great information you always continue to pro- continue to provide to us within the industry and back on the podcast is Gigi Swikert she's the CEO of Lightbridge Academy Gigi how are you I am doing great, Jack, and I just want to thank you for having me on the show again. I had so much fun the first time that we we chatted, and I'm looking forward to this opportunity today. Well, thank you so much for being here. I know you talk quite a bit about today's subject, leadership. So uh, when we thought we would put together this show, you were one of the first people I thought of. What are you doing these days as far as public speaking and and keynote addressing and stuff. Are you still doing quite a bit of that or is that slowed down for you? So it's slowed down a little bit for me. I'm certainly doing some keynoting. Um, I'm going to be doing that for the National Association for the Education of Young Children in New Jersey in October. And yesterday I had the most amazing opportunity and that was to meet with our company center directors for the units that we own We have 17 units that we have in addition to the units that we franchise in early childhood education. 
And it was so remarkable to speak with them about what they do and to listen to what they need for resources. And it just is one of those things when you get out of the office as a leader that you think I can get out because I've got all these meetings and all these emails to do. But yet when you get out to visit that franchisee or you get out to go on that tour or you get out to speak with people is you recognize that it invigorates you in a way that just changes your the way your passion was just is a total reset on your passion for your business and for the brand and you hear the most important things that need to happen with the brand as opposed to kind of sitting in your ivory tower so it was phenomenal yeah i totally agree as far as getting out into the field and uh i do have the opportunity i should say the privilege of chatting with a lot of franchisees from a lot of different systems and talking about their story and their business. And I always walk away thinking, oh, I have five things now I want to change about my business after talking to these guys. Right. So yeah. And and I would not have thought of any of those if I was sitting here in my office or my studio all day by myself. So I totally agree with you about that. When it comes to getting out there and speaking, you typically do speak on the subject of leadership. What is it about that? very broad, but very important topic that, that just kind of keeps you coming back and you just want to keep talking to people about leadership. So I think that the reason leadership is so important to me is because I'm a teacher at heart and I started as a teacher in the industry and kind of moved up through the organization. And so as a regional manager or a vice president, and now as CEO, I see myself as a teacher a coach and a teacher, someone who meets people where they are, who assesses where their strengths are, who helps them to identify opportunities for growth so that they can be successful. And whether that's personal or professional, it's really that opportunity to have a greater knowledge than someone else has, more experience than someone else has, or a few steps ahead in the journey to be able to turn back around and give people some some encouragement and some pieces of wisdom. When I was doing that session yesterday, one of the things that was so important to me and I indicated on that leadership is always have a mentor and always be a mentor. Mm. So always making sure that you're learning from someone who's ahead of the journey on you, which I'm currently doing with a couple mentors and then making sure that you're, you're looking back because when you teach, you learn, when you teach, you have different perspective when you teach, you help others. And I think it's our responsibility for anyone who's grown in leadership because we've all been inspired by people to make sure that we are giving back to those who are coming along behind us so that we continue to make franchising this amazing um, opportunity for people in small business. I want to talk a little bit about the next generation and how you're coaching those people to become leaders. But first, let's take a step backwards and look at some of the people who've inspired you and maybe some of your mentors. Any stories or or any people in particular you want to share anything about that really kind of set you up and made you better at what you do before you started working with them or before you started following? Yeah. Them? So I'm gonna I'm gonna mention three people. I'm gonna okay. start off with my dad. Um, who was the first one on his side of the family to go to college. And his tenacity, 
his ability to make things happen on pure determination and taking the next step has been instrumental in everything that I do is the consulting firm that I had prior to working at Lightbridge was called Baby Step Consulting. And it was taking small steps to a big goal. Mm. And it's about that 1% rule. It's about doing a little bit more than you did yesterday. It's about recognizing that the world is not all or nothing. And so that's been huge for me to realize when I have somewhat of a perfectionistic type personality as well as a controlling personality, which makes me good for the job. But I also have to recognize what are the little pieces that I'm doing every day and working with the team that are moving us forward. The second one is um, Harry Loyal, who actually played uh, a big role at the IFA for many years as treasurer and who taught me a lot about empathy and listening. And I'm a big talker as we just spoke about. I, I'm a speaker. I talk with my hands. Um, and I've realized that one of the things that I need to do more is listen. And so I actually sit on my hands kind of underneath my thighs when I'm really trying to engage in active listening. And I think that's been something that has been so important for me is really hearing the stakeholders, really trying to put yourself in their shoes and really being empathetic. And true empathy means that I'm not judging how they feel about their situation. It means I'm just trying to understand it. Mm -hmm. And that has served me really well in customer experience and developing systems for all of our stakeholders, whether those are staff members or whether those are franchisees, to make sure that they have the resources, support, and autonomy and empowerment to do the job that they need to do. And the third one is Guy Falzerano, who was the founder of Lightbridge Academy and uh, who believed in me and gave me this position two years ago. And one of the crazy things he would always say to me as a serial entrepreneur, him being the serial entrepreneur, is don't worry about the money. And so it's taking ideas and being innovative and figuring out how you make that idea work, but not always thinking about what are the barriers. Think about how you implement and you can usually figure out the barriers. And I just love that because it's not something that instinctually came to me. It's something that entrepreneurs and those entrepreneurs out there know that feeling. Mm -hmm. But for someone who's not a true entrepreneur, um, I think it's important to think about that. I totally agree about not worrying about the money being something that I, I see with entrepreneurs a lot. And most people think it's the exact opposite, that entrepreneurs are just, you know, 110% capitalists and they're out there just grinding away to say, to get every penny they can get their hands on. And it's, um, it's actually quite the opposite. They're typically, Absolutely. they're typically really focused on their team or they're focused on their customers or, or maybe there's a mix there and, and they know that if they're doing the right things and taking care of the right people, the money comes. Agreed. And I love that. So my kind of tenor of, of that is follow your passion and the money will follow. 
do the right thing, make the right decision, look for respect, not popularity. Those types of things, I think, don't always give you the immediate satisfaction or the immediate financial wherewithal, but running a great business and running a great business model is what will bring value to your company over the long term. So those three leaders that you just mentioned, imagine how different your situation would be right now if any of those three were not in your life at some point. I, I can't imagine. Two, have, two of them, my father and Harry, have since passed away. And there are times when I want to pick up the phone and call them, or I want to pick up and ask a question, or I want to pick up the phone and and tell them something I did because I'm so proud and so excited about it because they've been so instrumental. Yeah. Well, you can still tell them. At some point, you can also guess what they probably would say. Right? <laughs> so, <laughs> Okay. So let's move from the past to the future. You've got uh, uh, an excellent team. I know many of the people on your team, and, and I'm sure your leadership uh, goes out to people beyond your team and, and other people in the community. What do you look for in that next generation of leader? Are there certain traits that you see in someone that you think this person is going to be a great leader someday? She's going to be a great CEO. Uh, you know, this kid over here someday is going to run the IFA, you know, or they're <laughs> going to run, you know, whatever other association or community. Um, what do you look for in, in people that, that really stands out to you? Jack, that's just the best question. And it's so simplistic what I look for. And I think it's the cultural fit of Lightbridge and our brand and very much the industry of early childhood education, but also the industry of franchising that's so collaborative and so supportive. I'm looking for people who are happy, um, who feel comfortable. Uh, we all need to grow personally and professionally, but, but who have a more positive outlook on life. People who are proactive, People who are interested in learning, learning more, learning more about how to sand your floor, learning more about how I can read this book and do this, learning more about baking or gardening or whatever it is, but someone who has this appetite for, I am in awe of the world. The children that we work with every day are in awe of the world. And the majority of adults have that socialized out of them. They don't have that aha moment. They are not mesmerized by a rock that you find in a parking lot. And so what I'm looking for are people who continue to be mesmerized at life. And then if they come with that proactivity and that hard work ethic and that desire to learn and a positive, happy attitude, then you can really teach anyone anything, any skill set. And in most situations, at least for me, I found that those people far surpass the skill set that I have and are teaching me things that I need and helping to close my own gaps. And so it's very exciting to be surrounded by people who are much younger than myself and who are doing remarkable things. And that's really the goal is to get people who are teaching you 
as you're mentoring them, you're actually receiving an education from from these people from some very different eyes. Absolutely. And I will I'll say something to that. And I, I said this yesterday when I spoke with the company center directors, and I say this at Discovery Day, um, and I say this to franchisees on a regular basis, is for laying out expectations of these are the things that need to happen and that we're holding people accountable for certain things they need to do is that I ask people to make sure they hold me accountable and our team accountable and the home office accountable for what we say we're going to do. Are we following up? Are we providing the support that we said that we would? Are we going above and beyond? And sometimes we don't. Um, sometimes it's not intentional, but it's still the outcome and we need someone to red flag us. Very good. Last question for you today, Gigi. And this is a little bit of a curveball. <laughs> what are you most proud of in your business? In the business. So if you were asking me what I'm most proud of in life, it would be being a mom of four children. Okay. We'll what take I'm that. most what I'm most proud of in in the business is bringing together a team of people who enjoy interacting with one another, who make each other better, and who can create something that they couldn't create if they were working by themselves. I spend more time with my work family than my regular family, which everyone does, no matter what kind of job you have. And it's really wonderful to build a team around you and to be a part of a team that takes things to a whole new level. Love that. And I'm going to leave it right there. Gigi <laughs> Swikert, thank you so much for joining us today. And I look forward to seeing you at a big franchise family event in the very near future. Thank you so much for having me. We've heard from some really great franchisors so far, but up next, representing another leg of the franchise stool, the suppliers, with Carl Udler of Hughes, and then from the franchisee side of things, Jerry Akers. Also, thanks to some more longtime supporters, Alicia Visconti and FranServe and Franchise Dictionary, and of course, MFV Expositions and the International Franchise Association. We'll see you all soon at a Franchise Expo or IFA event. Joining me now is Carl Udler. He's the Senior Director of the Franchise Practice at Hughes. Hey, Carl, how are you? Great, Jack. Thanks for having me. Always enjoy talking to the franchise community. It's good to hear your voice again. I'm glad you're with us on this special edition talking about leadership. You've got a, a very large global operation that you're a big part of. I really wanted to get your ideas on engaging your team and engaging employees that are that are part of your group. What can you tell me about some of the things that you're doing? We all know that that replacing employees is expensive. Yeah. Right. Especially your your minimum wage employees, it can cost anywhere from three to five thousand dollars to replace them. That includes training, interviews, advertising, resume search, everything involved in that background checks, et cetera. During COVID, we saw the great resignation, which was something unique. More than 4 million U.S. workers quit, which is an incredible number. 
Yeah. And I, I saw a a leading uh, research say, survey that that found that lack of opportunity for advancement, low pay, and employees feeling disrespected or not respected at work was really the top reasons that Americans quit their jobs. And that's just poor leadership, right? And anytime an employee feels disrespected, you know, you can't, I think you can't just say, well, that's how it is at that company, right? Oh, that's just how it is around here. No, that's just really lousy leadership. I agree. And there are keeping employees engaged and up to date and knowledgeable and feeling valued, I break down to three areas, Jack. Okay. The first is number one, communication. Number two, recognition. And number three, growth. So let's go into each one of those individually. So the first one is communication. What are people doing wrong and what are people doing right when it comes to communicating well with those whom they're leading? Sure. Well, number one, communication, people have an innate desire to know what's happening and a human tendency from a sociology standpoint is leans towards negative gossip. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. Communication is how leadership battles these negative tendencies. Today, businesses that are distributed, as most franchises are, they must use tools that are at hand to be an effective communicator and keep their employees up to date. In fact, I, I saw a recent stat that 86% of employees and executives cite the lack of effective collaboration and communication as the main causes for workplace failure. And if they improved internal communication, that would improve productivity by as much as 25%. It kind of comes back to what you were saying initially about employees not feeling valued. There's gotta be some correlation there between if you're not communicating with me, you absolutely don't see any value in me. So what's the point of all of this? I, I agree. I, it goes back to also understanding goals. And if employees understand the goals and the focus and how everyone's achieving the goals, what their role is and how to contribute and where they fit in. Jack, there's that classic story of back in the early 60s when President Kennedy was visiting NASA. And during his visit, he went over to a janitor carrying a broom and said, hi, I'm Jack Kennedy. What do you do? And the janitor responded, well, Mr. President, I'm helping put a man on the moon. That's right. <laughs> right? That one sentence connected that one individual employee to the broader purpose of NASA. Love that. Let's hit your other two points quickly before we go as well. Uh, certainly. Uh, number two, recognition. Um, everyone wants to be recognized, even shy people to some degree. Right? Some people don't like to be in the spotlight. Others do. And there are many ways to hit recognition, everything from employee of the month concept, mm -hmm. right? A reserve parking spot, the entire team, you know, finds it motivating when they see one person succeed and they want to get up there along with them. Now, it's important, and I'm very, very clear to separate recognition from 
compensation for recognition or pay as a reward. Uh, so it's not a reward you're talking about. You're you're saying just recognizing the work that they're doing day in and day out. That's right. The intrinsic value of it goes a long way. Last week, I was in Orlando with a, a colleague, and we were doing a video interview with a customer. Now, for me, it was a day and a half travel, not a huge deal. But my colleague, who's based in our Salt Lake City office, took two and a half days away from his family. And he has young kids to come do this exercise. The equipment set up and all of everything he brought got set up. Everything was fine. We set up in the restaurant. The interview went great. We had super bonding with the customer. Remember, people buy from people. And everything went well. So we we came back. And earlier today, we had our biweekly team meeting. And during that session with the entire team there, I was sure to give him a shout out and kudos for his efforts last week in front of the entire team, in front of my management, his ear to ear smile could be seen from across the room and it lasted throughout the entire meeting. Yeah, you can't can't buy that either, right? I mean, that's, there's not a price tag that goes on that. There really isn't. He felt great and I can't wait to see the results of the video. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And, And what was your third point we wanted to get to? Number three is growth, right? Career growth is important. You don't want to do the same thing over and over again for years, or most people don't. And we've also found that career growth is important. Most employees don't want to do the same thing over and over again year after year. We also find that out that training outside of the job is not always as applicable. And we've, we see that 68% of employees prefer to learn and train on the job. So some of these employees, they set their own goals, they need guidance from management, but either way the employees can improve and contribute to the overall goal, giving them more responsible and that's growth, which is critical to an employee. Uh, Let me further this with growth doesn't mean promotion, right? Mm. Just like we were talking about in the previous step recognition. Growth does not necessarily mean promotion. And employees want a clear career path with goals, timelines, everything so that they can strive for for something better. And I'm not talking about, Jack, the classic working in the mailroom all the way up to CEO. Yeah, right. The the great American story that... um... When it happens, it's more of a you know fluke than a than a, than a career path, right? That, that's right. So, you know, showing them that they're valuable, they can contribute, they're valued in the company, and without that value, employees are just a revolving door. I want to share a quick story. Um, I go to a barber shop locally here, and I've been going there for thirty years, and the barber shop has had the same group of barbers during that entire time. And I'm sure when they started, they started taking walk-ins and they pretty much built their own book of business. And the owner showed each person how to get more credentials, like a master barber, uh, training on current hairstyles, how to cut the trends as they change. And that all works in the employee's benefit. This is especially true in the franchise environment that does, unfortunately, at times have high turnover. There's low low barrier to an employee leaving and you want the employees to come back and you want them to stay. That's where the real value is. 
Love that. Carl, before we go, I want to bring you into the conversation I've had with so many leaders in the franchise space over the past few weeks about leadership in general. Do you have anything that you'd like to add as far as what makes a really great leader? Or maybe there are some leaders in your past or or, or current work life that that you look at and, and think this is someone who I, I I wish to aspire to be just like this person? I do. Many years ago when we were building a certain business here at Hughes, I had a manager who from the start said, Carl, you are the business owner. You're responsible for developing this business, developing the, the processes, we call it order to cash process, and seeing that the business takes off. So having that sense of ownership gave me the responsibility and the, the intrinsic feeling of value that helped me grow the business to where it needed to be. I felt that my my um, I felt that my role was expanding. I was contributing. I felt appreciated. I got recognized, and that made me feel connected to the business and the overall goals. I love that the the way that that great leader made you feel all of those years ago, and made you want to engage with the company and feel more valued by the company is also the way that you're leading people now. So I, I love that connection. And, and uh, thank you so much, Carl, for sharing that with me. If anybody has some more questions for you, Carl, and they want to reach out and chat with you about leadership or engaging employees or anything else you're doing these days at Hughes, where can they find you? The easiest place to find me, Jack, is on LinkedIn, Carl Udler, U-D-L-E-R. And send me an email, carl.udler at hughes, H-U-G-H-E-S dot com. And I'd be, be more than happy to spend time with folks talking about not only leadership, but what we see going on in the industry. Perfect. Thank you, my friend. We will see you at an IFA event, hopefully in the very near future. Thank you, Jack. Be well. Joining me now is Jerry Akers. Jerry is very involved in franchising, to say the very least. He's a multi-unit owner with Great Clips and The Joint, and he's on the board of the International Franchise Association, as well as several other projects that he's going to tell us about today. Jerry, how are you? I'm doing great, Jack. Thanks a lot for having me on. Well, I'm so glad you're here because we've been speaking with some franchisors and other folks in the industry and no one needs to have a great leader in charge as much as a small business or, or in your case, multiple small businesses working together. So I'm so glad you could join us today. Tell us a, a bit about your brands that you're with great clips in the joint. How long have you been involved in franchise? I've been in about 18 years now, Jack. We started with Great Clips with one unit, and that's all we wanted was one unit just to subsidize retirement. You know how that goes. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, we turned it around. We doubled the revenue in the first year. We were approached by other people that were ready to, you know, exit the system and just started a process where we were acquiring groups of units and building new ones. So uh, today we've got 34 across two states. Wow. And then uh, then you added uh, several units of the joint, right? 
Yeah, I, I got semi-retired and I got bored, so I had to go back <laughs> to what I do. <laughs> and uh, I became the regional uh, developer for Iowa and Nebraska for the joint chiropractic. And as a part of that, started developing my own units. So I have five of those open today. And recently, just because you don't have enough to do, you joined the board of directors with the International Franchise Association. <laughs> Tell me about that. What What's that group like as, as a franchisee and a franchise owner on the board? You know, it's interesting because that's a, uh, in history, that's been a little more uh, uh, tilted towards franchisors. And they're yeah. bringing in just for the last, I think, 15 years or so, they've been bringing in franchisees. And we're starting to get a much larger voice there. So it's interesting literally in my case, sitting on the same board with the CEO of Great Clips. So I'm one of the franchisees and he's there. So we we can share some ideas, but it, it does temper it a little bit. But I'll tell you, you're sitting there with some of the movers and shakers in franchising from top to bottom. And it is an amazing experience working with people that their only goal is to help franchising overall as a model so that people across the system, across the globe, can you know feel the same sense of accomplishment we do in growing a system and so on it's it's phenomenal i highly recommend it yeah anybody who would like to get a taste of that just get involved with the ifa and uh, and i think you'll you'll probably you'll probably go down that same rabbit hole that jerry and i have gone down as well so well so that's it the thing. Would... start with one little thing you never know where it'll go but it, is, <laughs> it just draws you in yeah, it was great seeing you at the IFA summer board meeting a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, I kind of felt the same feeling that you were just describing in, in that room with all of these great leaders from these huge brands and, and multi-unit operators. And, you know, there's always that time I sit there and look around and go, what the heck am I doing here? But <laughs> it, you know, it really gave me um, some inspiration to chat with a bunch of you folks about the topic of leadership. And, uh, and I wanted to bring you into that conversation with all of the, all of the different organizations you're involved in and the teams that, that are working with you and the association. What are some traits of a really, really good leader? Yeah, that's a great question, Jack. And I think people have different definitions. For me, it's, it's about leading from the front. It's about being the person that pulls people up that doesn't try and push people and those kinds of things. So uh, not only for me, but in fact, the leaders that I develop, that's one of the uh, biggest pieces of the puzzle, I think, is being willing to do the things that, you know, many people wouldn't want to do. And I can tell you, our staff and the leaders that I develop, they they appreciate that. They they know that they're, that they're, they're thought of, that they're going to be taken care of and those kinds of things. There's a trust factor that goes with that, knowing that the, the leader, the person that's responsible for you has your back and they're doing the things necessary to make you successful. As a piece of that, we share a lot of information with employees that some quote unquote bosses don't mm -hmm. because we want them to share in the vision and we think we get a lot more buy-in and a lot more effort and so on by doing that. So with all of the folks that you're developing across all of your units, what are some things that you look for and that you see in people that says that person's going to be a pretty good leader someday. What are some of those traits? Well, you know, work ethic always comes to the top when we're talking yeah. about these things, because as a leader, you've got to be there whenever you got to be there, right? No matter which position you've got as a leader. Um, but, but I want to see engagement right from the start. I want to see them asking great questions and being energetic and enthused about their job, but also about the bigger picture, because 
there's no reason for them to be in that position at that point in time. So when they show that, it shows me that they have the potential to keep moving forward. And, and you know, it's kind of funny because we talk about hairstylists, you know, and there's always kinds of perceptions about them. But when you see one of them that has come from a tough background who really, and, and I'll use farming lingo, takes the bull by the horns and, and fixes a problem, uh, when it's not really her job or his job, uh, that's somebody I'm going to invest some time and effort in. And then we introduce them to a lot of the best-selling leadership books in the very small formats, you know, like, mm-hmm. like, like some of them that we would think of high five or, you know, some of the, uh, who moved my, uh, uh, what was it? Who, who moved, moved my, my cheese? cheese? Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Thank you. Some of those things, because they're, they're fairly simple concepts to grasp and it, it allows them to start gravitating into that leadership sphere. You've got a couple of other projects I wanted to quickly ask you about too. Um, tell me about your book and tell me about this platform you're developing for franchisees. Oh man, that's kind of the love of my life. You know, it's it's one of those bucket list things that old guys do as they're starting to evolve <laughs> out. Um, so the book, uh, a, a, a guy that had written some other bestsellers in other categories came to me, literally was a customer of mine and said, you know what? I've spent some time with your staff they think the world of you. I've talked to you. You are amazing as far as knowledge of franchising and so on goes. He said, we need to write a book together. So we wrote a book called Live It to Own It, the number two, Live It to Own It. And uh, uh, it was on, we sold it on Amazon. It went bestseller right away and uh, has gotten a lot of traction. But it's, it's partially about my journey into franchising. So we want to tell the story for people who have considered it, but maybe not not jumped off the cliff yet, if you will, mm-hmm. yeah. so that they can see that, you know, if a farm boy from Iowa can do this, anybody can do it. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and then also, you know, I, I know anybody that's in franchising see this. There's a lot of emerging brands that haven't developed enough internal bandwidth to be able to give the level of support to their franchisees that probably the franchisees need, but there's just not enough money and time when you start up to do that. So a lot of the chapters are related to supporting the franchisee as they're looking for real estate, hiring people, you know, trying to look at marketing programs and things like that so that they don't feel like they're out on an Island with no support. Well, of course, once we wrote that and it got out, I got approached by people that said, well, you need to turn this into virtual learning classes Mm -hmm. and you need to broaden its reach so that uh, more people have access to it. So I took the team that helped put the book together who have expertise in segments of the chapters we just talked about and said, let's get together and build this learning platform. So it's, uh, you know, it's going to be for the group that we talked about franchisees that still need some additional support because they're missing it, or they just need something extra that they can get a la carte uh, or for a membership off of our program, our learning platform. The last piece of that is emerging brands that are still struggling to fill the gaps on some of those areas, our team can kind of fill in some of those things and and just act as a bridge until their income gets to the point where they can hire a vice president of of marketing and a vice president of real estate and so on. So uh, that was a labor of love. I want to give back and I want people to have the opportunity to get all the support they need and keep growing. Love that idea. And putting that together with the book and your multiple locations and all of the other work you do put that all together on 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 one plate and tell me what's the thing you're most proud of throughout your career 
this might seem strange, but I'll tell you what, changing lives is the thing I'm proudest of. When we take a look at uh, our employees are a part of our family, literally. So we've got 250, you know, ancillary family members. And uh, my wife's title is chief hugs officer. And <laughs> it's, it's on her license plate and her business card. And she takes that seriously. But, you know, we have pictures of single moms who come from a life, uh, a multi-generational poverty background in many cases, who are, uh, take a picture of themselves standing in front of a house and they bought it working for us and learning from us. And it's the first house their family has owned in three or four generations. That's what gets me up in the morning. That's yeah. what keeps me going. And so that's the thing I'm proudest. I can talk about bringing my kids into the, fa into the business, allowing them some latitude to grow and so on, which is great. And my, if my daughters were here, they would say the same thing. Thanks, Dad. But it's about changing lives for our employees. And with franchising, you will never get a better opportunity to do that. Thank you so much for that. That was a great story. We appreciate all of the work you're doing. And uh, I hope to see you in Washington, D.C. in just a couple of months. Absolutely, Jack. You know I'll be there. Mike McFall of Big B Coffee closes out the show next. But first, more thanks to my unofficial geek advisory board, including Ali Krauss, Thomas Scott, and Ingrid Schneider. To my entire team at Brand Journalists and all of the rock star guests who have joined us here over the past 1,000 shows. Joining me now is Michael J. McFall. He's the co-CEO of Big B Coffee and a best-selling author. His latest book is called Grow, Take Your Business from Chaos to Calm. Thanks for being here, Mike. Thanks, Jack. It's always a pleasure. I love that title, Taking Your Business from Chaos to Calm. I think I think a lot of leadership is about getting rid of the chaos in in your team's life, right? Yeah, that that's the whole point. Uh, you know, we the the book is meant to take you from that bootstrapping entrepreneurial phase uh, that is by nature chaotic uh, and probably should be chaotic at that moment, you know, uh, and then to transition into. Uh, a, you know, a leader of an organization. The struggle with that is, is oftentimes all the stuff that made you successful as an entrepreneur gets in your way in becoming yeah. a strong leader. Yeah. We see that a lot in franchising where the, the person who came up with the idea that became a great franchise was, was maybe a great leader early on in that bootstrapping phase, but it's really, it's really kind of a rare exception that someone who created the concept and started it is also the person who can be the CEO when you get to 300, 500, a thousand units that, that takes a whole different level of leadership. Is that, is that kind of where you're going with this, with this gap between starting and, and, and finishing? Yeah. The, the, the calm, the definition of calm to me is that you as the leader have become irrelevant to the future success of the organization. And that is an enormous leap. And as you just said, it is the rare exception uh, of somebody that can pull that off. Yeah, that's um, that's an interesting, like a self-exit that you're almost setting up that if I do everything right, you guys won't need me anymore, right? Exactly. Like that's a... <laughs> that and takes to a... me, 
That takes a yeah. big person to actually think about that and and do it. You know, well, most, to me, it's the definition of leadership. Yeah, because most not leaders, but managers are doing everything they can to hold on and 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 you know hold on to their little fiefdom and not see themselves as as you know creating i guess creating other leaders in their organization that yeah so um the transition is to one is to become a, an effective leader of the organization which to me means building an environment that expects and supports people in thriving as individuals and as professionals within the organization. But then the next step is from being that leader to then becoming this, this idea of irrelevance. Mm -hmm. And that means you've built a strong enough team that they can, they can carry the business forward. You mentioned in grow. I, I found a, a, piece here I really liked that leading people is about having an intimate enough relationship with those you are leading to know individually how people react to you and your impact on them. What I found interesting about that was it was about getting to know people individually because I think so often in business we're, we talk about building relationships, but we're really talking about building customers relationships. We're not really talking about building those individual relationships with the people on our team well enough where you would know if you're having an impact or not. Yeah. I, well, I think it's one of the great challenges of leadership. And the reason I say that is each individual person on your team, you need to meet them at different places. Each person is in a different stage of their development. And so it's your job. You can't treat everyone the same. And so you have to be intimate enough with that person to know what they need from you at that particular moment in time, but also everybody's different. And yeah. so how you interact with one person is going to be very different than how you interact with the other. And it starts with you as the leader. And that's the, one of the transitions and thinking I'm trying to, to uh, make, you know, bring to leadership is that it starts with you understanding your impact on that individual. And that is something that's that is uh, that's new. I think somewhat new thinking in leadership because typically I'm the leader. I do what I do. What I do. I'm a strong leader. I'm a powerful leader, and and I'm going to have this amazing impact on you. But the the end result of that is is everyone perceives you and your behaviors and how you interact with them differently. Mm -hmm. And so maybe you know I have people on 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 our team that I know there are moments when. I might need to get a little red in the face, <laughs> you know, and I know that they're okay with that and they react well to that. And that's, but then there's other people that if I got red in the face with them, I mean, that wouldn't work for them. Right. right? And it would be really counterproductive. So that's that, that's that nuance of leadership. And to me, great leaders understand that sort of intuitively. Yeah. And I love that idea of not just expecting them to react the way you want them to react you know, but, but really you're taking into consideration how they will most likely react. And, yeah. and you really got to get to know the folks to, to understand that when you're working with all of the people you work with at Big B and everybody else in the industry that you're interacting with that, that are, that are, you know, looking to you as a leader, what do you see in sort of the next generation of folks as 
as really standout traits that are going to make them a good leader in the future? 20 years from now, we're going to look back and it's going to have been the leaders who engaged people as human beings and developed them as human beings and built supporting and nurturing and loving environments for people to thrive in. Those are the companies and the organizations that have leaders that are doing that, that will be, that will be the high growth dynamic companies of the future. In my opinion, the, the, the days of managing your business through financial statements, through reporting, through data, to me, those, those days are, are coming to an end. And I'm not saying that that stuff isn't important. That stuff's critically important to the business, but it can't be your primary focus. We need to transition. We will transition to organizations that are human focused, taking care of their people, building environments where people are encouraged, supported to thrive. Excellent. So that's the future. Let's take a quick look at the past. Can you think of any leaders who have really inspired you over the past few decades or somebody who made a real big impact on you? What, what comes to mind first? I, it's amazing that I just wrote this yesterday. Oh, and so I'm going to go, I'm going to go a little out there on this one. Okay. I had a 12th grade economics teacher who was mind-blowingly powerful as a leader. And he was able to take our our group and turn us into this this pod of superheroes. <laughs> like we this it's amazing. I look back on it. I don't know, there's probably 20 or 25 of us. And the things that we did in that little group in that class, they were it was mind-blowing. And it was all of him and his passion and his, you know, he, he would engage us as individuals. He was inspiring to us as a group. And so his name was Mr. Marinucci. He was the, uh, he taught the economics class in the 12th grade at Milford High School. And that was back in 1989. Wow. And I'm still talking about him 35 years later. Yeah, exactly. Think about that. So 35 years plus since that, look at that impact that, Mr. Marinucci, was that the name that he had on you 35 years later? Um, the, the audience can't see you, but I can see you. And man, you are lighting up right now. Yeah. Like yeah. you should see the smile on this guy's face, everybody. Like, like, like that made such an impact on you. And you remember all of the details about it from, from 35 plus years ago. It's amazing to me too. I've been asking the same question of a lot of people over the past month or so. And it's amazing to me that it isn't just when, when I ask about leadership and great leaders from the past, it isn't just, you know, the first boss I had, or, you know, the, the first CEO I worked for or something like that. A lot of people are talking about teachers from high school and college and the, the impact that these people are having on my friends 35 years later is, is not what I was expecting. So, but I'm glad to see it. I thought of, um, writing a paper and I, I may do it. Um, if you go back and think as a leader, if you go back and think about who, who, what teacher just, let's just say teacher impacted you. We all have them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I want to ask the question, why did they impact you? And then I want you to incorporate your answer to that question 
into your leadership style. Because if a high school teacher can inspire a bunch of 17-year-old knuckleheads, (laughs) isn't that beautiful? Yeah. Yeah. I think... The teachers, when you just said that, the the ones that popped into my head, you know, the common theme, and and this is, they they knew how I was going to react. the The common theme is having some sort of sense of humor, right? And especially the the people who had like a really dry sense of humor. And I think, I think at the time, they they realized that that's how they were going to reach my group of knuckleheads, right? And if they were trying to be, you know, really stiff and straight laced, forget it. So, so yeah, uh, going back to your initial uh, piece from Grow, they knew how they how I was going to react to their style and 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 that impact. So, yeah, great yeah. point. I I love that. The last question I want to throw at you today, Mike, is my other favorite question of the summer. Taking into consideration all of your business life, Big B franchising, writing this series of books. What are you most proud of? I'm most proud of the, so we gave a lifetime achievement award this past, our our past annual meeting to a franchise owner. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we did a video clip and then she came up and spoke and we brought a bunch of people up on stage from her history to say a few words. And Jack, I sat there through the whole thing and cried (laughs) and I couldn't stop crying. And I, you know, a little embarrassing, but at the same time, like the fact that we, we brought her into our system. She was one of our earliest franchisees. Uh We brought her into our system and she was able to, to, to work with us, leverage us. And, and we were able to support her in building this incredible business and to see what she was able to create and then for her to exit her business the way she did in a very powerful way. And then for us to honor her in that way, to me, that, that right there is my, my proudest moment, you know, just, and I can't, I just can't explain it. You know, people that franchising is such a powerful business model. And, you know, I think of franchisors that, maybe don't have that perspective on their franchise owners. Uh, and, and I, and it's like, you're missing the whole point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, for, for us to be able, and we have these, we have these franchise owners that are exiting and retiring successfully and, you know, they're, they're getting, you know, they're getting paydays and they're getting, you know, it's just that, that to me is uh, that's, that, that's our, you know, our proudest accomplishment. You know, and I think that really illustrates the difference between of the franchise world and other types of business structures. There are so many corporations that when someone is retiring or exiting, if they're lucky, they get a gold watch and a thank you note and okay, now get out. We're never going to mention your name again. But the fact that you guys did an entire award and ceremony and everything with the entire system present, like that says a lot about franchising and it says a lot about Bigby and it says a lot about Mike McFall. Yeah. Yeah. It was really rewarding. I mean, you know, I, I don't know that uh, I would have expected 20 years ago that I would have ever been sitting in a room full of, I don't even know how many people, <laughs> 600 people yeah. uh, crying like a baby because you know, <laughs> someone had, someone had, uh, you know, been so successful in our system. 
Good reason to cry. Well, thank you so much for sharing that story, my friend. Wish you all the luck with Grow, and uh, we will chat with you again soon down the road. Thanks, Jack. And thanks to all of today's rock star guests on episode 1000. On to the next thousand. And thanks to you for listening to Social Geek. Your comeback of a lifetime is now. This is the Social Geek Radio Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.